Yeah, have you, have you ever gotten really mad? This is church now, so if you, you're not telling the truth in church, you know what's going to happen. Roof's going to come down, lightning's going to show up, no telling what. So, you've been mad, and we all have been mad. But have you been really, really mad? Yeah. And maybe when you've gotten really, really mad, it's gotten really, really verbal. Ugly. It just can get ugly, can't it? And, and so one of the things that happens is you not only get mad, but then you start talking louder when you get mad because you don't think they hear what you're saying. And then they... Get loud back. No, nobody's ever been there, have they? And then you go from sitting down to standing up, right? So as you're talking and you're getting mad and you're talking louder, you're sitting down and now you're standing up, you might just puff your chest out. You might just say, is that so? I know nobody in here has ever done that. But then, wait, there's more. Just about when you touch chests or fingers. Now, I know it's never happened in here with any of y'all, so I'm just going to qualify that with, then there might be a touch of the finger a slap, a shove, a trip, a fall down. That's never happening to you guys. I know that. I'm just saying sometimes it happens. As a young boy, man, good fellow I know, my brother, he would get down behind somebody. And I'd come up on him and I'd push him and they'd fall down. And then you better run. So you see, you can go from having an issue to getting physical. A lot of times it doesn't take as long as what I've just talked to you guys about now. It can happen quickly. And before you know it, what was a calm Christian person, or non-Christian, a person, it can go from zero to 60 in zero flat. And you're mad. And you know you need to slow down. We're doing a series, and this is the third of a three-part series on de-escalation training. How to deal with conflict. And the basis of this series came from uh, the Police Executive Research Forum. Now, we've all seen videos uh, my wife and I were looking at one last night of, you know, when you saw it, this person was in law enforcement, and what they did was off the chart. It was just, it made me sick, having been in that profession, to even look at it. And we turned it off, and she said, I'll give you the part B of this, is they fired that person immediately, and they arrested that person immediately, and 
you know, that's what should have been done. Because he escalated it. And so this Police Executive Research Forum is a group of people, it's a think tank with administrators from all over the, the world that are learning how to deal with conflict, but specifically how to de-escalate conflict. And they came out with a position paper that most progressive police departments have adopted across the United States for sure. And it has 30 guiding principles. Now, I'm sure you're glad that I'm not doing a 30-part series. <laughs> I just picked three. Yeah. And the, the first one was on a tactical pause. You know, when you get aggravated, like this situation here, or if you can put it in the police realm, you think about getting this thing over quickly, getting this thing, get it going, push ahead, don't stop. Get this person in custody and move them on. But, but sometimes in policing, you're learning that people come at you with different types of illnesses, different types of abuse. They may not be in the right mind. And the right thing is not to just jump on it full force. It's to take a pause, take a tactical pause like, wait a second. Is there a better way to handle this? And this translates to what we do in life. It's like in an argument, if you can just take a deep breath and say, but most of the time, what you're doing in an argument is you're listening to what the person's saying so you can form another argument and you escalate. I'm, I'm sure I've never done it. Yes, I've done it. And I feel terrible when I do it. The, the second week, tactical pause was the first week. The second week was about a duty to intervene. You, you know, as parents, if you've ever had children, you know they fight and argue. And even if you haven't had children, you may have one child, and they're with other kids, and they're going to want to fight. I'll tell you, here in the preschool, 180 kids, one picks up a toy it's just a little truck. But the other one wants it. The teachers have a duty to intervene. They're not just going to let them fight over a truck. They're going to distract them. And in policing, you've seen many times where there sure is a lot of police officers there. Wouldn't one of them just say, hey, let's take a breath. Grab them by the back of the shirt if you have to and pull them off. Well, we have the duty to intervene as Christians. We have the duty to intervene in people's lives when we see them going the wrong way. Jim was talking about it this morning. The plan of salvation. God doesn't want any to perish. We've got the duty to intervene. And this week, this week it's the sanctity of life. Now, the sanctity of life just happens to be guiding principle number one. It's the most important, and I save the best for last. Because the sanctity of life is important. It's important in policing. 
when you've seen the police around someone and they, they maybe don't have their right mind. It may be they don't have their right mind because they caused it. Or they don't have the right mind from years of not having the right mind. Or they just may be mad. And I'll tell you, police work is, is still a hands-on job. It's a dirty job that has to be done. But our country's seeing how it can be done differently. And we, as a people, have to revere the sanctity of life. And this guiding principle, number one, says this. The sanctity of human life should be at the heart of everything an agency does. It should be on the mission statement. It should be on their policies. It should be part of their training. It should be the sanctity of life should apply to police, to citizens, to suspect. Everybody should be dealt with dignity and respect. And the church of Jesus Christ should deal with people with dignity and respect. This, uh, there was this chief uh, of Houston PD, and here's what he said. He said, when our SWAT captain gets to the scene and meets with all the team members, one of the things he says, especially when it's someone who is threatening to harm themselves, is this. Harm themselves. You've seen those people surrounded by the police who they want to harm themselves. And why do they want to harm themselves? They're not in their right mind. He tells them this, this SWAT captain, we're not going to kill this person. We're not going to kill this person. We are not going to kill this person. And the chief went on to say it's probably the first time we've ever had a SWAT captain go out there with all the equipment, all the guns, all the high-power tools and say, we're not going to kill somebody. You see, it gets to the very sanctity of life. But it also means looking at each person separately and individually. What got him to this point? Years of neglect. Years of alcohol or drug abuse. Something got him there. And we should revere their life. We in the church of Jesus Christ, we see people every day. Some may be our neighbors and our friends. They're not in their right mind. They need help. Sanctity means this. State of quality of being holy. It means being set apart. The sanctity of life is being set apart. Police, doctors, nurses. Doctors and nurses take the Hippocratic oath. You know, I'll do no harm. See, and this principle should be at the heart of everything an agency does. It should be the part of every individual. It should be in our hearts, the sanctity of life. Now, chances are none of us in this room are going to have to face someone where we may have to take their life. My hope is that that never happens. But if it does, we should keep this principle in mind. And, and how does God feel about the sanctity of life, and why do you need to know? Why should you need to know about the sanctity of life in a police executive research forum? Well, we're going to turn the tables. It's, it, the sanctity of life belongs to us and the church of Jesus Christ. Us as believers. Us as members. And why do you need to know it? So 
Most people associate the sanctity of life with abortion. I, I'm not on a platform here about abortion. And, and some other people may twist the sanctity of life to mean black lives matter, white lives matter, blue lives matter. I'm not talking about that. This is not political. This is being biblical. Do you ever want to be like someone when you were growing up? Well, you are. I I wanted to be like Muhammad Ali. And uh, I thought it was cool to watch him. He he said, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Do you know the rest of it? A man can't hit what his eye can't see. That means Muhammad Ali is going to punch him first. Now, I don't believe Muhammad Ali's stance, Cassius Clay's stance on some things, but he was a heck of a boxer. And we set up a boxing ring in our yard. And we had actual rope go around the boxing ring and actual boxing ring gloves. And we invited all the guys over. In afternoons, we'd have boxing ring fights. It was a lot of fun until you got punched. And this man, Donald Palliser, was a left-handed guy. And all I remember was seeing the glove right in front of my face. That's the last thing I remember before they had the hose on my face. Yeah, I, I, I kept thinking, I'll be like Muhammad Ali. I'll float around. And I'm a drummer, but I had no rhythm. And Donald Palliser had a punch. You, you see, you are like somebody. Saints, you are like somebody. Here's what God has to say about it. How does God feel about the sanctity of life and why do you need to know? Genesis 1.26 says this. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, over the livestock, over all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. You see, we're made in God's image. All of us are. Not just Methodists or Baptists, not just Democrats or Republicans. You can see the division, not just white or black, not just American or whoever, not just Christians, not just churchgoers, not just good people, but bad people. We're made in God's image. You are like somebody. God. You're like God. And that's who you were made In his image. And and he says in Leviticus, be holy because I'm holy. He's not saying you have to earn this by being holy all the time. He's saying, just be holy. I'm holy. I made you in my image. Just just be holy. Just be set apart. Just be special. You'd like to think, well, is, is it just that easy? Yeah. You see, when we start viewing ourselves as holy, made by God in his image. And when we get mad, like we talked about on the front end of this, the person that you're arguing with, guess what? They're holy. And when you're listening to what they got to say, just so you can hit back, we're made in God's image. You're holy. They're holy. Yeah. 
Second Peter says this, 3.9. The Lord is not slow to do what he has promised, as some think. Instead, he's patient with you. He's patient. He takes a tactical pause. He will intervene. He believes in the sanctity of life because he does not want anyone to be destroyed. But he wants all to turn away from their sins. He doesn't want any of us destroyed. God believes in the sanctity of life. Your life, my life, our life. He doesn't want anyone destroyed. Romans says this, for sin pays its wage, death. But God's free gift is eternal life in union with Christ Jesus our Lord. So, you want to know how God feels about the sanctity of life? You're holy. We're made in His image. You are set apart. He doesn't want anyone destroyed. You're set apart. And here's what God says. Every single life matters. See, the main point here today is your life matters. You may be struggling with things. You may not have life figured out. You may have difficulties. You may get angry. But God wants you not to be destroyed. And why do you need to know? about God knowing that every life matters to him not a political statement it's not don't take it that way no one should die needlessly especially you you see the bottom line is this God's position on the sanctity of life is salvation If you're dead in your sin, the wages of sin is death. And and if you're here or listening and you're thinking, well, what happens? God doesn't want you to perish. He believes in the sanctity of life. God's position on the sanctity of life is salvation. He doesn't want anyone to perish. You see, He wants to de-escalate. If you haven't given your life to him, he wants to de-escalate the path that you're on. He wants to make it real to you. He loves you. Should be at the heart of everything an agency does. And it should be in the heart of everything we do. Taught about this morning. Gospel tracks are many different ways that you can share Jesus Christ with others. And I'm sharing with you right now. God wants your life. He, he desires you. Don't let this day pass by. Don't think there was a teaching this morning and a message today on giving your life to Jesus Christ is by mistake. It's not. He doesn't want 
anyone to perish. God believes in the sanctity of life. He believes in you. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to open up the altar for those who would want prayer for salvation. I mean, there's no safer place than right here and right now to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. There's no better time. You can put it off and you can push it away. But if you haven't given your life to Christ, now's the time. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm talking to you. You're talking to me. Yeah, I'm talking to you. It's, it's just as simple. And if you are saved, if you have given your life to Christ, God wants you to know the next argument, the next time, the next time that you get mad, the next time you want to blow up, the next time somebody doesn't go on green because they're texting. God wants you to know. I'm made in your image. I think God had cut us some slack. So I'd ask those that are intercessors today to come forward. I want to just make the call that today is the day that you can give your life to Christ. And today is the day that you can be assured of your salvation because Jesus believes in the sanctity of life. And this week, just this week, five times a day, I challenge you. Say, I'm made in God's image. When you get frustrated this week, when you feel like you're at the end of your rope, when something has pushed you so far this week, as you say this, I mean, you can say it anywhere. Nobody needs to hear you say it. But I challenge you to say, I'm made in God's image. 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 Yeah, I'm made in God's image. And, and if you're made in His image, you can handle what He can handle. Yeah. Dear Lord, I thank you today. I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you how you weave into our lives your son. And how, Lord, your position on the sanctity of life is that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, and salvation is your answer to the sanctity of life. So I thank you, God. And I thank you for those here today that may want to surrender their lives to you and those listening, now is the time. We thank you, God, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, we're going to have some prayer. For those of you who would like to come forward and pray or pray in your seat, please feel free to do that. If not, uh, we're going to keep the altar area here clear. And if you'd like to come forward, please do for any kind of prayer. If not, God bless you. Have a great week. Good to have you here. Amen. Hallelujah.
This is Pastor Louis. I hope you've enjoyed the message today, and I hope that it has encouraged you. If you need any further information about the message or our ministries, please contact us at the numbers on the screen. Our live worship is 1030 each Sunday morning, and we can also be seen on YouTube and Facebook at thelivingcornerstone.org. Be blessed.